0: By Mr. Carol Matchett. How are you, sir? Really disappointed. What has you disappointed?
2: You. I mean, it's the start of a new season. I thought we were going to get like a brand new scripted intro. You know, like at the start of the season when they put a new montage on on Sky Sports or a new backing track on at the start of Match of the Day or something like that. You're, you're,
0: you, <laughs> you your complaint is with the production staff here. The production <laughs> right. staff is who's dropped the ball here. I just is turn it? up and do me.
2: Is this the guy then? Is this who I'm disappointed that's
0: with? That's who you should be disappointed in, Mr. Drinkle, Ms. Kauser, the production staff at Anfield Index. That's who you need to take up your 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 beef with. I think a, a strongly worded email to one Edward James Gibbs. I've no idea if James is his middle name at all, but a uh, strongly worded email to Edward uh, will get will get some um, get some movement on. Sorting out some new intros, if that's what you're looking for, uh, I have no time for new intros because the Premier League season is back. Liverpool begin with a trip to Fulham on Saturday, Nice l uh, mosey down to Craven Cottage for a twelve thirty p m kick off nice and early, get it out the way, get the win under our belts card, and get on home and then laugh at the rest of the teams as they struggle to start their season. What say you about Liverpool versus Fulham? First things first, are you going to the game, given it is in your neck of the woods?
2: I'm not. Um, I completely forgot that I need to do this sort of stuff, like, you know, decide weeks in advance that I need to go to games and stuff. So... Um, A bit rusty in pre-season, as it turns out, but in my defence, there has been a lot going on over the summer. So I'm not going. I am working. I will be watching. I will be doing it. I will be talking about it afterwards, and all back to normal as of
0: the following week, hopefully. Not so bad. Not so bad. Right, let's get into this. So Fulham won the championship last season, promoted as winners, as they have been uh, in the past. They have had a very interesting, I think that's the best word, interesting summer. Um, Their manager is in the press this week discussing the fact that they have not done enough to prepare for the Premier League season. Uh, they've brought in Joe Polina, they've brought in Anders Pereira, they've brought in Kevin Mbapu, they're going to have Burn Leno in the door before the season begins, but no movement yet on the centre-back they're desperate for or the depth that they need. Notable departures. Timmy Abraham, not to be confused with his brother Tammy. Cyrus Christie, Fabry, M- Michael Hector, Alfie Mawson. Worth noting, none of these players have found new clubs yet, which might tell you a little bit about how they're viewed. Um, John Michel Seri is gone. He was actually quite decent for them last season. Uh, Zambo is gone to Napoli, where he spent last season on loan. And Fabio Carvalho obviously joined us. Uh, They did also bring in Manor Solomon on one of those weird loans that's going on because of the situation with the Russian and Ukrainian clubs. So, all things considered, they're stronger than they were last season, but by their own admission, not quite strong enough. We've just done our preview pods for the, or our kind of prediction pod for where the season at the table might end up. There's no real point in hammering too much on that, Carl. But just your overall sense of Fulham right now and what you think they're going to look like at the weekend.
2: Um, beaten, demoralised, and bedraggled, hopefully, at the end of 90 minutes. Uh, I think the big thing, obviously, is that they just don't really have too many options to swap things around at the moment. I mean, we listened to Marco Silver in a week. He's talking about the fact he's only got 16 senior players to call upon. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. But, you know, 16 that he's obviously looking at relying on and who are currently fit and ready to play in the Premier League. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe he was only including outfield players there as well, because they've definitely got more than 16 players. But 16 seniors is who he says he's working with, including only two centre-backs. So... Numbers aside, they've not got too much scope to change things around if it's not going well uh, With right from kick-off with the starting eleven that they have. They've not got huge quantities of players in different positions as well. Uh, like you said, we've been over them in terms of the, the squad and the transfers for the pre-season, the season previews as such podcast. That's the third one that Fulham were in, obviously, if anybody hasn't listened to them yet. But I don't think that also he is going to get a completely free pass for that. Um, not the fact that they haven't brought people in, but if they if they don't hit the ground running, not necessarily against Liverpool, obviously, but against the teams who are around them or who are expected to be in the bottom half of the table, he's probably still going to get some element of you should have prepared them for this. You should have prepared them for this level of competition. Um, so I don't know that Fulham are going to have a particularly easy start to the campaign even after playing Liverpool, but... Let's face it, Liverpool at the start of the season and compared to how we and other top teams start the season is probably one of the most difficult games you could get.
0: Yeah, it is. Now, if you look at their squad, they do have, at the moment, they have 24 players. Um, That includes two goalkeepers, Rodak and Gasaniga. So take them out, we're down to 22 outfield players. They do have three injuries at the minute, three players expected to miss the game at the weekend. Joe Bryan, um, who'd be, I suppose, a backup left-back, but isn't really Premier League calibre anyway. Harry Wilson is out, and Nathaniel Chalaba is a doubt. Um, he got injured in the behind-closed-doors game, so he is a doubt. So, I mean, it's still 19. It's more than he's claiming, but maybe there's a few in that group, like, say, Anthony Knockhart, who he knows is not good enough for the Premier League uh maybe Tyrese Francois is one he's looking at and thinking mm, maybe not um so may- maybe he's doing a bit of kind of creative accounting to get down to his 16 but his point is correct they are short they do need to get business done they need to get in i think four or five more players um i've seen some Fulham fans suggest they need about seven players which might be asking a lot, but you know, they've been decent enough in the loan market in the past. The last time they came up, they did have uh Yoki Manderson, for example, in on loan, and he was a good player. As Tom James points out, they are moving for Issa Diop, and he wants to move, and Issa Diop and Tosin could be a decent pairing with Mbapu and um Anthony Robinson as the fullbacks. That's solid in front of Burned Leno. That's not a bad defensive group. It's what's after them if any of them gets hurt that becomes problematic. Um then you look in the midfield and there's you know, there's there's talent there. I mean Pauline is good and Harrison Reed is good and when he's fit, I think Chalub is decent, onam is decent. Um they also have Tom Kearney, who I'm, I'm not a big fan of, but you know, he can play at the level. So there's bodies there, the line behind the three, or the line of three behind the striker. You've got Ivan Carvalho, Bobby de Cordova Reid, Knockhart if they choose to play him, Harry Wilson, Manor Solomon. Um, and I suppose Andreas Pereira has to be included in that because he'll probably play as the 10. Up front, they're a little bit short as well. They've got Mitrovic. They've got Rodrigo Munez. That's kind of it. If Mitrovic gets hurt or has a, bad run of form, you'd wonder where the goals come from. It, there's a lot of question marks over this squad, Carl.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could say that about the whole club, to be perfectly honest. Um, there is a lot of areas of Fulham which they're trying to make Premier League ready or Premier League standard, whether that's the infrastructure or the squad or the, you know, the people in their coach and staff and all the rest of it. But you can quite clearly see that there are aspects of it which are... Not up to scratch, I think, is the best uh, way to put it. Um, I, I think even if they do get the Bern-Leonard deal done, I don't think he's you know, anywhere near it. Like even a top 14 goalkeeper in the Premier League, I don't think. Um, so they're not punching above their weight in any one position, I don't think. You know, defence is half OK. Uh, I do like Mbabu, I think. Uh, Toson's a good defender, but they don't have a partnership at the back who you could really say that's that's... Going to do well for them you know it was uh, anderson and toson was on the right hand side in that back three that they had uh, last time in the premier league as well it was all right for a bit um in midfield exactly the same i don't think that there's a particular combination there that i look at and say that one can hold out that one can keep some of the best sides at bay that that one can supply that front three or four which could be really good but is quite weak i think you know if you if you're looking at the best Three of them in support of uh, Mitrovic, probably Wilson, um, Solomon and Pereira. Mm. Good, all of them good, all of them technical players, all of them capable of scoring goals, but quite lightweight. Quite weak one-on-one sometimes. So there's definitely more work to do for them. I think at the moment, I don't really think it looks like a Premier League level squad overall. I've seen the fans definitely say that they need four, five and six players still to come in, but I've also seen them say that there are three or four teams who are worse than them in the Premier League. And I disagree.
0: Yeah, I disagree strongly. I think that I think there's one. I, I think you can look at, at Bournemouth and say, well, they're worse. But I, I genuinely don't think, even if you've been as critical as I am on certain teams, such as Everton, I don't think you could make any kind of argument that Fulham are a better team than Everton.
2: No, no, not at all. I mean, they've got players there who have been underperforming uh, at Everton and some of the other clubs, but they're still capable of being at a level. Um, and they they are reliant on even the players that they brought in now coming in and showing that they can be as good in this team, in this league as they have been elsewhere. Uh, I mean, like I know you're a fan of Bolinha, but not everybody who's come in from the Portuguese league has just hit the mm. ground running and been superb. Um Manor Solomon is, I presume, going to take a couple of months to get up to speed and be in the team in a really functional, um, consistent sort of manner where he can contribute to the attack. It's been quite a while since he's really played too much football, so there's, there's a lot of work to do here still, definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, Manor Solomon uh, hasn't really kicked a ball this calendar year, so you'd wonder... How long it's going to, like, what, what's his fitness level like? Is he ready to play this weekend? I mean, th- there's no doubting he's shown he's a good player. Um, he's shown that at, at multiple stops in his career. But if we look at the last time he played, uh, the 11th of December was the last time Manor Solomon played a competitive game of football, the 11th of December. So what, nine months ago? Um, that's a long time to be without without playing. You know, it's, it's almost like he's coming back from an injury in some ways. He is a versatile attacking player. He can add, you know, good quality on the ball. Um, but he's not someone that you can really rely on straight away to come in and be the big summer signing that's coming in to elevate the attack. I just... I don't know i I look at this team and i I wonder should they focus in on trying to get one more starting caliber attacker to come in and maybe Solomon becomes a squad player, get someone in who'll play wide and score you a few goals. Maybe that's you know more of a a, a path for them. We know they need that center back in the door we We know that there's a lack of depth, like you said, with Paulnia coming in. Not everybody settles straight away. He we we know he's a good player. We've seen him for club and country. But I mean it doesn't it doesn't always translate. The same thing goes with Andreas Pereira. We know he's a good player. He's obviously been in the Premier League before with United, but he's just spent a year in Brazil. And he clearly wanted to stay in Brazil. So how much does he really want to be at Fulham Football Club? Uh, as Tom points out, they've been linked with Max Cornet. I, I feel like if they wanted him, they'd have him because he's got a, a buyout that's, I think, quite reasonable. But to me, it's a strange team. Now, going into this weekend, if Leno signs tomorrow, which is the expectation that it's all confirmed and announced tomorrow, do you start him on Saturday after two days of training? Or do you go with Roddick because he's been there, he helped you come up, he's done all the pre-season. What do you think happens with the goalkeeper this weekend?
2: Uh, whichever one's the better shot stopper because that's what they're going to have to do a lot of. It's not going to be about organisation for them for this particular match. You're going to be facing wave after wave of after wave of attacks, of cutbacks, of crosses along your six-yard box and of shots. Uh, so I do think it's as simple as that. You go with whoever looks like they are physically ready to face a bit of a, a barrage basically and might, might make the difference if you can have a few more reflex saves and a few more mm. you know, brave moments and that kind of thing. And to be honest, Rodak, I, I don't think is a very good goalkeeper. Um, but I mean, like in terms of like his agility and all that kind of thing, shot stopping is not one of his best traits.
0: Which is problematic for a goalkeeper. I know we yeah, always say it's great. not the be all and then all, but when you're actively not good at it, I mean, it's, mm. it's a problem for you. Yes, it, um, it, should, it
2: should be the basic. Let's, let's say there's there's lots and lots of goalkeepers of this age, like you know good with the feet and all the rest of it. And Leno was apparently kept by Arsenal because he was better with his feet than Martinez and all the rest of it. But hmm, shot stopping is also yeah. not the highest in his list of uh, attributes. His positional work is not superb, but I think he's better than Rodak, so I'd still be playing him.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Right, so if we go Leno and goal, we'll assume Mbappe is the right back. Uh, Kenny Tete still struggling with some injuries. Robinson should be the left back. The only options they have at centre-back are Tolson, who is good. Uh, and I'm surprised he's still there, if I'm being completely honest. And Tim Ream, who isn't good. Um, Tim Ream simply is not a Premier League-caliber defender. Now, he's a bit of a Fulham legend. He's been there seven years. He's helped them get promoted now three times And he does well in the championship. But in the Premier League, he gets badly exposed. And, you know, you look at the last time they came up, he played 44 games in the championship. He played seven in the Premier League and was a disaster. Played 46 games in the championship last season and was fine. But he's not a Premier League-caliber defender. So that's a problem. That's all they really have in defense is those four. There aren't really any other options unless Kenny Tete is fit, because there's no other left-back at the club bar, Joe Bryan, who's injured, and there's no other centre-backs full stop. In midfield, my expectation is that it's Polina and Harrison Reid, but it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Kearney started uh, on the basis that he is the club captain, and um, he might just get the first start of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean they could go with a, a five rather than a four-one-one one as well, uh, just to mm. try and block it up Because, like you say, the great um, development work so far with getting in people for defensive cover or defensive starting. In fact, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did go with a bit more of a you know, one or four field, runners in midfield type. Uh, yeah, basically, just try and narrow play as much as possible mm. um, and. Even put one between the lines, maybe, and literally just go four-one-four-one as as rigid as possible. Uh, out of them all, I guess maybe you'd want Palinia or Harrison Reed as maybe that one who holds. Um, and then obviously that lets maybe Kearney or Josh Onuma as the other alternative as a bit of a ball mm. carrier as well. Um, I, like I said, this is not a Premier League caliber lineup at the moment, and I do think that they are going to struggle in midfield if those are the options that they go with.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, w- it wouldn't even surprise me if they went with the four that you mentioned, with Polinha, with Kearney, with Reed, and with Onama, and just tried to really make it a clogged-up midfield, and then play Pereira behind Mitrovic. Because with Harry Wilson out, they're going to be missing, they're probably their second biggest goal threat. So maybe their best course of action here is to just go damage limitation from the start, play a narrow, oh, even a box midfield where it's Reed and is sitting in front of the defence and Kearney and Onoma just in front of them, just doing shuttle runs, just trying to condense play, trying to clog things up, trying to slow Liverpool down, and then play Pereira off Mitrovic and hope that between the two of them they can conjure something but damage limitation, because one of the worst things that can happen to a newly promoted team is they come up and get absolutely battered on the opening day because it can really set a bad precedence for it. So maybe they go with something like that.
2: Yeah, possibly so. Or even, like I say, stretch the four right across and have one sitter in the middle of the all. And Andreas Pereira obviously can play from the right-hand side. I've seen that plenty of times. Josh Onema can play left side. Uh, and then you get both of them narrow and running in field to support uh, if if there are opportunities to counter, if there are opportunities to get in support of Mitrovic, and you've really got to rely on him to be really good in terms of hold-up play, in terms of trying to, I don't know, maybe put himself on the the not Virgil van Dijk centre-back and play the ball from there and Mm. get people up from the second line, basically. I mean, they've got options off the bench to give a little bit more pace like Cavalier and Cabana, but they're not better players. They're not better footballers. They're not players who you would... Start and think that they could create you a goal or two.
0: No, no, they're not. And, and like you said, there's deep over Reid as well and Muniz. So they have forward options they could throw on late in the game. If it's a, you know, if they're 2 1 down with seven or eight minutes left, maybe he just empties the bench with some uh, attack minded players to try and catch Liverpool on the hop with, with pace. But it, there's, there's nobody there that you're really going to look at and be all that scared of if you're Liverpool. Let's transition to Liverpool. We've talked enough about Fulham today on this pod and the other one. So, um, Liverpool have eight players who are out or a doubt for this weekend. So Diogo Jota fresh with his new five year contract in hand. He's ruled out probably till about the end of the month. Uh, Callagher Callagher is out for another couple of weeks. Alisson is expected back. He is. Klopp has said he will be back for Fulham, so we will take Jurgen at his word. There, Costas is expected back. Eboo is expected back, but does have a bit of an, a niggling knee thing. Uh, Naby was ill for the Strasbourg game, so he'll almost certainly be back. Ox is out for the foreseeable. Could be three months. Could be longer. And then there's Curtis Jones now. He initially was expected back for Fulham, but left Anfield on Sunday in a protective boot and crutches, having walked in without said protective boot and crutches. Uh, So that's a bit of a blow to not have him, just from a numbers situation in midfield. What do you think about us having so many little niggles and knocks already at this point? Is that... Something to be concerned
2: about? I mean, it's not ideal, but I don't think we have to be too worried about it. A lot of them are moment-specific, aren't they? I mean, it's a bit unusual to have a couple of goalkeepers out at the same time, but then Cueve and Allison do seem to be out more than the average goalkeepers over the last couple of years. So uh, hopefully that's something that clears up pretty quickly. One or two of them ill. don't really need to worry about that. Obviously, that's something uh, that can just happen at any point. Um, the Nox... I, again, I'm not really too worried about the knocks, seeing how most of them happen. I mean, Canadi's was in a little challenge and obviously his knee inflexed a little bit and could be a problem. Hopefully nothing too long. I think at the start of the season and with the schedule that we have, there's even the most minor of doubts. Just don't play him. You know, we've got we've got depth there. We've got options there in pretty much every position. So I'm not worried about it. The only concern would be if... You know, two or three of them start being what they sometimes have been, and then the, the comeback is delayed. You know, a few weeks after mm. Jurgen said they'd be back, well, they're still not there and they're still not in training, and they still miss another two games. And then it's like, oh, after the international break, and then after the international break, there's still. You know, we've seen this happen quite a few times already. So, yeah, like you say, with Ali, we'll take Jurgen at his word, <laughs> but I hope he's I hope he's been truthful this time because I don't want to go three, four, five, six games into the season with Aladain in goal because. Quite honestly, well, he's Adrian. Yeah, but I mean, like, even <laughs> even that span of games, if you don't pick up the points, you are already looking at the title gone. That's where we are right now. So yeah. we need to hit the ground running. We need to go in all guns blazing, pretty much every single game. We already know that, and for that, we need the vast majority of our best players available. So Ali in goal, and hopefully, most of the small issues follow him very quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right, so expectation, Alisson and goal, Trent right back, Robbo left back, Joel with Virgil as the centre-back pairing. I thought they looked very good together against City. Uh, Joel could have done a bit better on their goal, but I do think he thought that play had stopped. Um, Fabinho in the six, Thiago to his left. Henderson was awful, Carl, in the community shield. And he was awful last season. And this, we know, is the weak link in the Liverpool team. It's the only weak link in the Liverpool team. You look at the squad, and it's the only weakness, is that starting right-sided spot. Naby is the best option to play there, but because Thiago has so many injury problems, as does Naby, it does make more sense if they sort of platoon in that left-sided, more controlled role, because then we always have one of them on the pitch. And as long as we always have one of them on the pitch we tend to win the vast majority of games. Um, Harvey Elliott could be an option to start on the right side. He obviously was playing some football there last season before the ankle injury. But it's an issue for me that this position has not been addressed again.
2: I can hear the frustration and rage in your voice, Dave.
0: Oh, it's getting... As I said to Trev, It's a good thing I wasn't on the pod after the Community Shield. Even though we won, that performance was so outrageously poor that I I probably would have lost all sense and reason. (laughs) Like, the inability to complete simple passes, the continued ruining of excellent attacking positions, eight different excellent attacking positions during the game Ruined by his inability to complete simple passes. He completely spoiled two really good goal-scoring opportunities. One where Salah does brilliantly to play him in down the right. And all he has to do is play it in front of Diaz, who's got acres to run into. And he plays it behind Diaz. And then the Darwin one, where he took far too long on the pass to set himself and then overhits the pass, and Darwin has to stretch for it, and Ederson gets off his line. Like, that should have been game over. Then you can look at some of the other passes that went astray. You can look at him falling over his own feet twice. You can look at his pressing, which was poor, his defensive work, which was poor. Like, there was nothing about that performance that was redeeming. It was just awful start to finish. He was City's best player and our worst. I don't understand how we're in another season where he's still starting when last season he was so much of a negative impact on us that I don't care. That that cost us the league. That midfield cost us the league. And he was front and centre for every bad result we had last season. And by bad result, I mean Brighton at home, Brentford away, West Ham away, Leicester away. Go back and watch those games. And go back and watch the goals and where they came from and watch his part in them. Awful. So like he's fine as a backup six, fine. But the one thing he always had, because he's never been the most technically gifted player, but he always had an incredible engine and he could run and run and run and run for days. And now he can't. Whatever injury it was that ended his 2021 season has taken Quite a bit out of his legs. And it's problematic. It's problematic. If he can't run, if he can't even, like, his pressing numbers are awful. You look at his pressures on FB ref, and they're among the worst for any midfielder in the league. For a play, and his tackling is non-existent, his interceptions are non-existent. His off-ball stuff is terrible. And his on-ball stuff is not good either. Like, he had a couple of good games last season. You can count them on one hand. He was poor for most of the league campaign, desperate for some games. He was awful in the Champions League final. And if Saturday's ending to go by, he's actually declined even further.
2: Have you bought yourself a Henderson jersey for this season, Dave?
0: If a Henderson jersey came into my house, one of three things would be happening. One, I would be washing the car. Two, I would be putting it on one of the dogs, and three, I would be using it to clean up when the dogs made a mess of their room.
2: Disgraceful, disgraceful scenes. Uh, I won't. Um, I won't do a Henderson jersey in response to the big foam fingers, which are still in the box somewhere. <laughs> uh, but we, I did. I be, did mean to ask. Yes, there will be something coming in response to those. Don't worry. New season, new new ideas, and all the rest of it. Um, He's going to
0: start against Fulham. Yeah. 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 And I think, like, Fulham's the type of game I think you probably get away with it. But, like, we've got much tougher games coming. Uh, Palace will be a much tougher game. Do we really want to see him try and chase Eberici as he round the place? As he'll embarrass him. So, you know, it's it's going to get problematic quite quick.
2: I I did a pod with Guy while you were ill, I presume, and we went over Mm. our starting 11s and what we thought, and I went with Harvey Elliott as the starting right side and midfielder, and I think Harvey Elliott's had a very good pre-season, so although he didn't start the Community Shield, I'm going to stick with that. Fulham opportunity to look at a couple of players, I'm going to stick with Harvey Elliott.
0: I would be thrilled if Harvey Elliott starts because I agree, I think Harvey's had a good pre-season. I think Henderson's been largely poor in preseason. season I-, I would be thrilled if Harvey starts, but I-, I get the feeling that the team that started the Community Shield is the team that will start this game. Um But th- there's two changes I would like to see made, and one is this, one is Elliot in for Henderson. Now, moving past that, into midfield, into the attack, Mo will start, Diaz will start, I assume Bobby will start but Carl the opportunity for Darwin Nunez to cut his Premier League te- Premier League teeth against Tim Ream <laughs> is very enticing very um, enticing get yourself off the mark son go out and get us three or four goals and get your confidence up
2: I I, I like what you're saying but I think Darwin will probably get quite a few opportunities to do that against quite a few of those defences. Maybe not quite as plummeting the depths as Tim Ream, who's now 34 years of age, by the way. Uh, that that might be you know, a unique situation. But I'd also quite like Firmino to be among the goals this year. Because with no Sadio, and with not just no Sadio, but more, actually probably more specifically, with no Origi and no Minimino, we've actually got one fewer attacking option this year. So while I think that that's not too bad, because I think we've got five starters who are all very, very much closer together in terms of ability now, where there was, before there was a big drop-off to, to, to five, six, or six, seven, whichever way around you want to put them. Um, so I do think that that's a good thing for us in general this year. We do want all of them to actually be playing confidently and regularly and be capable of contributing. I think it would probably be good for Bobby if he, um, if he gets himself a goal, if he gets himself very, very involved as well, and we can still just... Ease in Darwin a little bit. He can come off the bench on 65 as one of our five subs this season, don't forget. And we're definitely going to be expecting Jürgen to use all of them after how much he went on and on If he doesn't, he's going... (laughs) Jürgen Klopp is 100% making three substitutions this week. Yes.
0: I would put my... Yes, and and he should. He should make two just to piss people off. You know, you know that there are journalists in this country, well, your country, not my country. Journalists in my country wouldn't dare... You know that there are journalists who will keep tabs on how many subs Klopp makes in each game across the season. They'll have a spreadsheet. And at the end of the season, they'll probably be like a Burnley or a Sheffield United uh, reporter because they're the two clubs that were most adamantly against it it when Klopp brought it up first. And they will come out at the end of the season and criticise Klopp and say, oh, well, In 38 league games, he only made five substitutions once. He only made four substitutions three times. And in the rest of the games, he only made three or two. So why did he spend two years complaining about it? Because he wants the option, you fucking imbeciles. He wants the option of making them. He doesn't want to have to make them. He just wants to know that if he wants to, the choice is there. Simple as that.
2: Minus points for Liverpool for every uh, sub he doesn't make this
0: season, I reckon.
2: We'll win the league
0: and they'll try and complain. Oh, it was the five subs league. It doesn't count. Fucking imbeciles. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I do, like, looking ahead at this weekend, I'd like to see Nabi come on. I'd like to see Carvalho come on. Uh, Darwin or Bobby, whichever doesn't start. Come on. Um, if Harvey doesn't start, I'd like to see him get on. And then, you know, he can maybe bring up, bring on Joey Gomez at right back or something for the last 10 minutes when it's 6-0. Just for shits and giggles. Or James Milner to volley somebody into the Riverside stand.
2: Speaking of the Riverside stand, I think we have to have a word about this. Fulham's tickets for this season for Category A game. Yes. Jesus 100 Christ. quid. 100 pounds yeah. to watch a match of football for a team just promoted from the championship. That's how Outrageous. Is. That is ridiculous. I know that they've said, like, oh, that it goes from 30 to 100. There's a tiny, tiny section in the Johnny Haynes stand, which is 30 pounds, and that's the family zone. And the rest of yeah. the category A games are 65, 70, 90, and 100 pounds. That is.
0: That ridiculous. is a oh. scandal. An absolute scandal. And, like,. If they'd gone out this summer and, you know, bought some really good players and we're going to put a really good team on the pitch, eh, fair enough. The money has to come from somewhere. But for Bern Leno and Manor Solomon alone? No, I'm not. No, and Nat Phillips potentially. No, no, this is unacceptable behavior. They... Really should be slapped down by the Premier League on this. And the Premier League does need to intervene. Now, I've seen some people say, well, you know, Fulham fans tend to be from Fulham. So, you know, they tend to be fairly well-to-do. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter where they're from. What this does is it locks normal people out of football games. And it invites the prawn sandwich brigade into football games. Now, the Prawn Sandwich Brigade are entitled to go to football games as and when they want, but real Fulham fans, the ones that have been there through all the shit, the ones that were there when they were stumbling and bumbling their way through the last two Premier League seasons, the ones that were there in their last three championship seasons, the ones that were there before All the money arrived with Al Fayed. The ones that were there in the nineties, when they were in what's now the equivalent of League Two and League One. Like, those people are now locked out of going to see their football club play play football. And that's just not acceptable to me. A hundred quid is outrageous. It no ticket at any football match anywhere. Should cost a hundred quid because what we know from publicly released accounts are that match day tickets make a whole difference to a club's finances. Bayern Munich, when Uli Hunas Ho- was running the club, he very famously came out and said, our cheapest matchday, t- our, our chi- cheapest season ticket, season ticket for Bayern Munich was 198 euro at the time. Right? 198 euro. So, you could go to Bayern 17 home games or two Fulham home games. He came out and said, well, we could put the price up to 400. But all that will do is that will make us... I think he said it was like 4 million a year in difference. He's like, 4 million doesn't mean anything to a club like us. It doesn't mean anything to a Premier League club either. Because the TV money... Is obscene. It's obscene. For how much these clubs make. From TV income. And Fulham have no excuse. At all. For charging this type of money. For those games. Like I don't know how many category A games. They have marked down. My assumption is it's the big six. Are their category A games. So that's six games. They've got. Uh, 22,000 seat capacity. So let's just say there's 5,000 are at 100 quid, if even, probably less. So, how much money are they actually making off those games? Not a whole bunch. Not a whole bunch. Three, maybe four million? That doesn't make a difference for Fulham. And it certainly doesn't make a difference for the Khan family, who are absolutely <laughs> fucking minted. Shihad Khan is worth. About nine billion dollars. That man doesn't know if someone steals three million out of his bank account. He's that rich. So this is a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. And I really do think the Premier League should be stepping in here because it's not, it's not right. It's not right. Football is for the fans because we saw during COVID, what it was like with empty stadiums and no one enjoyed it. The only good thing about COVID was that all the games were televised. And even then it was only a handful of weirdos like me that actually enjoyed that aspect of it. No one enjoyed the empty stadiums other than Pep Guardiola and the weird soulless clinical football that he likes to employ um, on his group of robots. No one enjoyed not having fans. And if Fulham aren't careful, their fans are going to reply to this £100 outrage by simply staying away. And Fulham are not a club big enough for their fans to stay away. They don't have 10,000 locked outside every week. They're not that club.
2: Fulham have more categories of uh, price tickets than they have senior signings this summer. So there you go. Tells
0: you a, a bit scandal. About where they are right now. Yeah, an absolute scandal. Right, give me your prediction for this weekend's game. I
2: think every single Premier League season, stretching back to 1462 or something like that, hundreds and hundreds of Premier League seasons, one promoted team has lost 5-0 on the opening day of the season. Um, that's definitely data which I've made up on the spot. But it's going to happen again this year. Liverpool five, Fulham nil, or the other way around, or, or the other way around with, with them being uh, home, not with them being five.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think there's, I think there's a chance this is an absolute hiding. Um, we have done quite well against Marco Silva teams in the past, uh, particularly that little spell he had across the other side of Stanley Park. Um, I'm going to say six. I'm going to say six. I think Salah is going to have a field day down that side. I think Diaz is going to... Kevin and Bapu might well get sent off this weekend because Diaz is going to be absolutely torturous for him. I think Darwin scores. I think Bobby scores. I think we're going to win 6-0. So, yeah, 6-0 for me, 5 from Carl. Uh, anything you want to plug before we go? No.
2: Welcome back to the new season. Hope everyone's ready for it. I'm not entirely sure I am, but let's go for it anyway.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a uh it's going to be a long long season. But it should be a fun one. It should be a fun one. So, uh here's to Diogo Jota's new contract. Here's the season underway. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.